Hello, hello, hello. I am your Sylvia Rivera, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the most is Munoz and happy pride. Boo, 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 boo. Put on your rainbow clothing. Break out your Deborah Cox Hector Hex remix album. And um, you know, keep the vacuum on notice for all the glitter that is about to magically appear. In your sheets, in your apartment, in your butt crack, because it is Pride Month. Yes, honey. (laughs) Oh my God, here we are again, and the world is still a mess, y'all. The world is still a mess, but at least this month, we as LGBTQ plus people of all shapes, sizes, colors, and then some can hopefully come together as one to celebrate each other, to celebrate our differences, and, you know, just just be together and... And celebrate each other. That's all I got for that, y'all. I am tired AF. I just got back from Puerto Vallarta, speaking of gay pride. And last week was gay pride in PV, and I did the most, but sensibly the most. I, I did get sleep and a lot of massages and and a lot of other things, right? Tacos. Tacos. Yes, that's what we're going to say. Tacos. <laughs> Oh, my God, if you haven't been to Puerto Vallarta, it is an incredible place and um, uh, and as equally a tasty place with all the delicious food and delicious men and beaches and water and and everything. And now, as per usual, I need a vacation from my vacation. But we're back at it. And we are here on the first day of Pride. So let's get to the getting on. And I need to wish you Happy National Hazelnut Cake Day! As a person who loves him some hazelnut milk, I feel like hazelnut cake is something I would equally enjoy. You know, I have a penchant for nuts. 
and things that are a little nutty. And so, yeah, I don't know when the last time I had a hazelnut cake was. That's like, is that a financier? No, that's almond cake, right? Um, yeah, I am like pastried out, but in, in Mexico, they came around one breakfast with all these like fresh out of the oven pastries with all these glazes and oh my god so delicious um no i'm breezing through these things uh happy national uh hazelnut cake day out there or nut cake or nuts in general d's nuts cake uh these nuts cake um because i really want to get into the meat of the episode and celebrate pride also if you didn't know on this day in gay history folks did you know that on june 1st 2003 belgium became the second country in the world after the netherlands to legalize gay marriage in the belgian house of representatives the bill prevailed in a 91 22 vote with nine abstentions the bill passed in january 2003 and took effect on june 1st what happy news and let me tell you With the rest of the news cycle these days, we need some happy news, especially some happy historical news. But moving right along, I need to remind you that the Pride merch is out there and, you know, it's selling. And Dr. Carlton, you know, the butt doctor, famous on TikTok, has got his and has been helping me promote it. Only because that if you buy anything from my website, that's www.themunoz.com forward slash mouth merch. And by the by, it's really cute. All the proceeds are going to the Ali Fournay Center here in New York City, which helps LGBTQ homeless youth. So if you bought anything in May, buy anything in June, and even in July, I am donating the proceeds to the Ali Fournay Center. Go check it out. I'll remind you at the end of the episode again. It's super cute. And if you order soon, you'll get it in time for Pride, y'all. So get into it. But really, now on to the good stuff. If y'all remember, you know, last year during Pride Month, I did an entire series of, you know, just diving back into past episodes. And it's a lot of work to do, but I love doing it. I love going back and, you know, it's kind of like meeting with my guests again in a, in a very different way. Just re-listening to these episodes and like taking these gems of, of what pride means to them, of why representation matters uh, means to these fabulous food folks out there. And I thought I'd do that again this year because, you know, as this pro- podcast grows, as I grow, it's... It's such a wonderful thing to just go back and and listen to these uh, gems again and and rediscover new things. And I want to start with uh, Mr. Joshua Moore from Josh Eats Philly because he came in guns a blazing, you know, just on fire with with just. Gems, gems from start to finish, and you definitely should go back and listen to his episode, but specifically for this reason on why representation matters. I think what you just said, representation matters, right? Like when I kind of first started all of this years and years and years ago, 
Um, when I would look at bloggers from like New York, LA, whatever, whatever, you know, I didn't see a lot of bloggers that looked like myself. Um, and, you know, I decided, you know, let me just do this here in Philadelphia. Let me just, you know, start putting out really good pictures, really good content. And, you know, number one, showcasing what my city can do and the types of foods we have here. And also like showcasing that, you know, um, there are so many black owned businesses. There are so many LGBTQ plus owned businesses that, you know, deserve to have a voice and a highlight and a spotlight, you know, on Instagram and on these different platforms. So representation matters. And that's something that is so important to me. So like, let's backtrack to like when I was like younger, right? Very few, very little like LGBTQ plus representation um, especially like in the mainstream media and things like that. You had a few people here and there, but it wasn't as like mainstream as it is now, right? So like when you're growing up in like that context, like the 90s, the early 2000s, and you don't see a lot of people that look like you or are like you and whatever that might look like, um, it's just hard to feel comfortable and have the courage to just like come out and be who you are when you don't have those types of role models to see, right? So like, that's one thing that's been important to me is, you know, not necessarily being a role model per se, but just being like a person out there doing what I'm passionate about and like doing so relatively like unapologetically. Right. So it's like, you know, if he can do it, you know, being me, I'm sure, I'm sure there's kids that are like, Oh man, if he could do it. I could do it. Right. And you know, that's something for me that's so important because, you know, with my coming out story, it was a lot more difficult because I didn't have that those types of like role models, right? Yeah. So I struggled so much in my childhood and even teenage years because I'm like, oh my God, I'm so different from everyone. You know, is something wrong with me? Which is like so toxic, right? To even have that thought. Yeah. I mean, and, it's something, it's absolutely something that I think a lot of us, if not all of yeah. us, kind of go through in wanting in wanting acceptance and in finding ourselves. I love that Josh went on this whole journey of finding himself, but finding himself through food, right? And more often what I more often than not, what I really love about talking to all these LGBTQ plus food people is that that's the journey, right? The food is the gateway to finding themselves more often than not. And much like much like a lot of other professions in corporate America and whatnot, it's male dominated, it's hyper masculine. We talk about it as ad nauseum on this podcast. And yeah, there's a lot of change happening. But as we can see in the world, right, there's also a lot of fight back. There's also a lot of regression happening in in at the same time. And last year I went on this journey, which I completely forgot about, about asking people about queer food and award-winning food writer and a chef, um, Justin Burke, came on the pod to talk to me about queer food and that topic in general. And thanks to Michael Twitty for setting me on that journey. But Justin Burke had a really interesting take on the whole thing, which also connects to finding oneself and why representation matters. Take a listen. But with you, I want to start at a very, very specific place, and that is queer food and how to define queer food. Because I've discovered in the time that I've been doing this that I actually haven't ever defined queer food and what that means, although this is a queer food podcast. And 
you speak very specifically in an article about queer food and um, and some other things that are adjacent to it. But let's start there. How do you define queer food? Sure. I love this question. And it's been kind of recently, like my like my goal to help define, because, you know, we toss queer food and the term queer hospitality around, especially in the past five years. Um, but uh, who is we? A, who is we? Because besides you, I haven't heard anybody but me toss these phrases around. Okay, yeah. So in the media, but unfortunately in food media, we only hear about it in June. It's like, I always say, oh, I'm popular again. It's June. <laughs> but, yeah, you know. You and, De- you and Deborah Cox. Right? Get like, a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's, there are these queer food writers who are, who are trying really hard to, to get our history, our, our identity and representation out there. And so we've started using queer food and queer hospitality as these terms to, to put a, a, an identifier to it. Unfortunately, there's there isn't time in these brief articles because there's no books. There's no books about it. Um, I mean, John Bersall does. He has been working diligently on, you know, representing the history of um, James Beard. You know, he was a closeted queer chef, um, and he's he's working at that. And so it it's part of that. But you know, we say these terms and we let the masses just interpret it. And of course, the first thing you think of when someone says queer food, they're like, are there gay ingredients? (laughs) You know, they think in the literal sense. And for me, you know, I look at queer food. It's it's not tangible. You can't you can't see it. It's not the actual food. It's it's the the meaning behind it. So I always talk about queer people have been displaced because their blood families or their closest friends don't accept them when they come out and and just outcast them. And so, you know, we traditionally have moved to more coastal cities, um, you know, New York, Boston, Chicago, uh, San Francisco, L.A. And Paris, Texas. Paris, Texas, yeah. <laughs> and we, we, we go and, you know, we're, we're lost, we're stranded, and we lost, we don't know who we are. We're trying to find out. And we find build our chosen families and it was before there were more you know queer businesses establishments that were safe for folks to attend um and 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 before that there were just specifically gay men bars in you know the 60s and 70s and so these queer potlucks lesbian queer potlucks started these secret gatherings and it was just these displaced queer people coming together and bringing the food that they're that they they were cooking their family food from their bloodline that you know just abandoned them, and it's all coming together in such a beautiful potluck scene, and we're exchanging ourselves via food. So it's you know, and, it, and it's not it's culture, race, religion, gender. It, it's this intersection. Queer food is an intersection of the spectrum of of being queer in the world and how it crosses in religion and, and culture. It's just, it's so fascinating to me and we don't talk about it and we're navigating and trying to build our own narrative. And so my definition isn't an actual definition, but it's the process of finding that definition 
for for us to of be able course. for our history and for us to be able to actually explain like there is a, such a thing as queer food and queer hospitality. We have started talking about it, and now it's our responsibility to define that and and share that history and share what it actually is. He goes on to add a little and talk about queer food as it relates to queer hospitality and the people who make your food and why that matters, which I was absolutely fascinated by because here I am thinking, we're going to have just like a gay conversation with some like gay food people. And then always, it always turns into, into something similar to this or like this, full of insight. And I... To be honest, I, I forgot about this conversation, and so I really, really enjoyed just going back and listening to it. Take a take another listen. In food media, they they want to talk about the chefs and the restaurants, but we sometimes forget to talk about our home cooks and just what we're doing with our families and with queer hospitality. So you have queer food, which is you know what we're cooking and why we're cooking it because we're creating family, and we generally are. And as cheesy as it is, cooking with love and intent, it's intentional. Um, but then with the potluck, we're creating that hospitality where we're saying anyone and everyone is welcome in this space and we're going to respect one another and we're going to talk, we're going to support, you know, these potlucks, you know, I, I think, you know, gay brunch is just a new version of, you know, the lesbian potlucks. Yeah. And it's where we, we, we come out to our friends or we introduce, you know, someone who just came out and is looking for that family or we just lost a love, you know, or we're moving to a scary new place and we're going to lose our chosen family. It's, it's creating this environment where we can just breathe and like have a sigh of relief. But when we work in restaurants and these restaurants intentionally hire, you know, queer staff and celebrate them and, and, and support them, then that environment is still an extension of hospitality, you know, do you know Unless how many you times in, in, in the South I've had to wait on conservative people that I know 100% hate me because I'm queer, but I still, I'm like, you know what? I can still give you representation of why the queer community are still people that deserve love and respect and equality. And I'm going to fight tooth and nail in such like meaningful ways that you aren't even going to realize it. And then you're going to have that aha moment and be like, damn, like I was wrong. How's that for some gay food for thought for you? <laughs> Folks, when I tell you when I started this podcast and I started this journey, if you would have told me this is what it would be, I'd be like, you're lying. You're absolutely lying because all I want to do is make eggplant jokes and talk about men and food. And I don't know. But I'm so I'm so enamored by the the life that this podcast has has taken on on itself, and I'm so honored that these people come on, right, with such such insight and such amazing voices and so and so many things to say about about people in the food business and our experience and and how it affects not only us and our journeys, but but you all out there too, and and whether you realize it or not, it's affecting you, right? Because we're the ones making your food. We're the ones creating the content that you're absorbing on the constant via Instagram or wherever you get 
absorb or where wherever you doom scroll is what I'm trying to say. And one of my other really favorite people, I've talked to so many faves this past year. I'm I even as I was scrolling, I go, I don't know how I'm going to pick from this list who to highlight and who to not because everyone was so good over the past year. But another one of my faves was Chef Will Coleman. Shout out to you who came in and is so much fun and such like just an aura of joy and insight. And and you know what? I'm just going to play the clip of why why he thinks representation matters. Oh, I actually, I'm not going to play the clip. First, I'm going to say one of my favorite things is the cross-correlation, like finding finding where me and my guests meet. And he was one of the ones that I really loved that we really crossed crossed so many paths together that, I mean, this is a sister from another mister. DJ, play the clip. I, I often say the podcast led me. I didn't lead the podcast at this point, right? As far it's as... It's always out of your control. You never know what's going to happen. You have to yeah, as opposed to creating our own journey. And, you know... This platform is as much mine as it is yours at this at this point, uh, because we don't have a space for our voices, we right? Don't, no. Because why we've had to create our own journey. Yes, we are. But under- it's up to us now to pass, you know, pass the torch to future generations that are doing what we want to do. So now they have more resources than we did. So we're doing a great job at this. Yeah, absolutely. We always talk, or I always talk. We, the royal we, always talk on this pod about why representation matters, and Mm -hmm. you seem to be doing a lot of work in that field, you know, with just, you know, honing black chefs and being that representation yourself. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, growing up, I, like, I didn't watch cartoons. I always watched the Food Network in my grandmother's kitchen. Like, I saw Paula Deen, Rachel Ray, Bobby Flay, all the, you know, all the, you know, people that are the classics (laughs) to what it is. But yeah, you know they're they're white they're white men or white um, women and they're not really doing the job for me when it comes to representation. So I knew that I wanted to have a career in food, which meant that I had to do start doing it myself because no one was going to do it for me. And I knew that I couldn't be the only person in the world that liked food and wanted to do media. So I just wanted to start paving the way for other people that look like me and talk like me and from similar neighborhoods as me um, to show them that it's actually possible to chase the dream in food and media. While being, you know, queer, while being um, POC, um, because it's not—it's not just for the white folks. It's for everybody. Food is for everyone, and everyone has a story to tell. So I thought that sharing my story first would inspire others to share their stories. And it's so beautiful to see folks, you know, chasing their dreams that wouldn't be inspired to do so otherwise if they didn't see, you know, someone else in the rain doing it. Will and I started for the same reason, you know? I didn't see myself as well represented through the Rachel Rays, Bobby Flays, Emerald Lagasse's, and Giada De Laurentiis's and whatnot. And I also was longing for that old school, like, showmanship, like like an Emerald, like a Galloping Gourmet, Graham Kerr. Um, you know, because a lot of the a lot of the food media back then was really quiet and and whatnot. And so and I was doing a lot of musical theater at the time, and I had this passion for cooking, and I wanted to combine the two and and make it big, fun, and gay. And somehow the journey took me to here. The journey took me to here, and I couldn't be more grateful for it. I go on to ask Will about coming out, which is one of my favorite things 
to ask people about um, on this podcast. I always start, and nobody knows this until now, I always start um, before we hit record because 90-some-odd percent of my guests I don't know. One of the first things I always say to them, I go, listen, I'm not trying to be Barbara Walters here. The first, as serious as we're going to get is I'm going to ask you about coming out. And sometimes that's not so serious for people. And it's just, it's an honor is what it is that all of these beautiful people from every walk of life trust me with their stories and to share their stories and to hold their stories. And so I go on to ask Will about coming out and then what queer food means to him. Take a listen. But I want to get back to talking about you and just you being authentically and genuinely you. What was coming out like? Coming out for me, I don't I don't know. I was always myself regardless before even coming out. Um, I just, I was myself, but people knew that I was gay. Uh, and then when I was gay, people were able to put a, you know, a label on, you know, how I behaved and whatnot. But ever since I was born, I, I've always made it a point just to show up as myself um, because I knew nothing else other than, you know, who I am. So looking back at it now, I, I, I think I was, I had a lot of courage going to high school, middle school, um, showing up in the things that I had on, and, you know, behaving the way I, that I did. But I'm so proud of myself because I would never want to be anybody else but myself. Um, my parents supported me and they still do support me. And I have a community of folks that stand behind me. And, you know, whenever I need a shoulder to lean on, they're there. Um, and it's more than just, you know, Will is gay. Will is Will. Is Will. And it's not about who I sleep with. It's not about, you know, who I love. It's just who I am. Amen. Yeah. Amen. What do you think the secret is to being authentically you then? I think just not giving a fuck about anybody else. I mean, you have to show up as yourself. And if they like you, they like you. People deal with you. You don't deal with people. So, I mean, you have to just show up as you. And then in showing up as you, how do you define queer food? Queer food, yeah. Um, it's so funny, like, when people do that, these marketing campaigns around pride, it's always really funny how they market, you know, their brands and whatnot. But for me, queer food is just telling the stories um, of queer folks through my food. I mean, I'm not going to make a rainbow fried chicken sandwich, but I will make the food that, you know, one of my queer friends loved or one of my queer family members, you know, always made for me. Because for me, food is telling stories. So if I'm able to make a food or a dish that, you know, replicates the story that I was told by someone else, I, done, I did the job of, you know, serving a food that is identified as queer or not. Don't you just love his energy? You know, like the joy and like the beauty just comes through the microphone. I'm... Like, like it made me so happy just listening to his episode again. And shout out to you, Will Coleman. Yeah. Oh, he has. Um. All my guests are doing fabulous things. By the way, if you're a new listener, go go research beyond the podcast because everyone's everyone's killing it in this game. But uh, he has a new show on what is it? Taste Made. I just saw. So shout out to you, Will Coleman. But my favorite thing. One of my favorite things that he said is, people have to deal with you, so show up as you. Yes, drink drink that Kool-Aid, y'all. Drink that Kool-Aid. Um, just being authentically you. And one of my favorite guests, oh, so many favorites. They're all my favorites. They're like my babies. Um, <laughs> another one of my favorite guests who shows up as himself 
and is authentically him and just does the thing is Steve Perry, who runs this whole leather cook Instagram. I am, I was obsessed since day one. Um, and he just shows up and on his Instagram, he's all in his leather gear. Shout out to the leather community, you know, and and he just does his thing and and preaches his fetish and it's great. I think it's fabulous. I think it's fabulous and why not? And I ask him about coming out and this is kind of the way I want to end the podcast today on an up note with Stephen Perry and his coming out story. Speaking about DPing, um, what was coming out like for you? I needed a um, I needed a way to transition, and that seemed like the perfect way. It wasn't my smoothness, but it worked. That, yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that transition from uh, DP to coming yeah. out. But, Call me Robin but Roberts. You know, it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, coming out was like, you know, I, I would say coming out the the first time that I said it to another person, I was probably about fifteen. Or so. So I came out in high school slowly to a group of people. Where did you grow up? I grew up in North Jersey. So I grew up in a very rural area of New Jersey, you know, where there's a lot of cows and horses and things like that. So it's very Republican. It's very conservative. Um, But I I had known since I was um, a little boy, like when I went to kindergarten, I realized I wasn't different than most of the other boys. And, you know, it was only through, I, I always find it funny when I say this, but it's only through watching the real world as um, a little kid that I was exposed to other gay people and I, you know, was able to learn about that that culture and, you know, the language and the words um, associated with this. And I was able to put a word onto what I was feeling and what it was that I was associating with. And then it was until I was a teenager that I actually first came to terms with it myself and then started um, talking to my friends about it. And I felt like once I came out in school, I was... um, very much accepted. Like I didn't, I didn't face any uh, hardship because of it. it. You know, people were pretty uh, accepting of it, and I think that they were proud that I had been able to come to terms with it and um, tell them. But I did keep it a secret from my family, as much as one can keep a, a secret about being gay when it's quite obvious. When you're, leaving, um, when you're leaving trails of glitter behind exactly, you. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Um, so I didn't really discuss it with my family until I went to college and I was out of the house because I wanted to have a safe space that I could go to in case, you know, the conversation went awry. Um, and so that's that's the beginning of my story, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen... Um, we never qualify stories here on the pod because, you know, there's no there's no good or bad coming out of it all, right? And some, some of us are lucky that we are surrounded by love, right? Mm-hmm. And some of us, some of us are not so lucky at the beginning till we find 
till we find that family that accepts us, you know? And that's why I'm forever saying and preaching that each of our stories is important because we never know who it will affect. And I want to thank you for sharing that. You see that even Stephen's story comes down to a representation matters moment, right? And if I could only tell you how many how many of my circle or how many people I've met that that real world, for you youngins out there, the real world was like one of like the first kind of reality TV shows out there. Um, like major, major reality TV shows out there where, um, what was his name, that first gay guy on there? Oh my God. But like seeing him on television was monumental for a ton of people because it was a real person. Not like some character, not like some Will and Grace character, like an actual person that we're seeing living and thriving and and speaking his truth. So it's important. It's important. It's important. It's important. And I think that's where I'm going to leave you today. A shorty but a goodie? Yes, to kick off Pride. You know, give you a little, give you another like 10 minutes to go enjoy some like gay anthems, some gay bops. Go like get a little sun with your friends drink a little rosé <laughs> folks our stories matter and you can buy the t-shirt that says so on my website and help me donate the proceeds to the alley for nay center happy pride y'all stay tuned for one if not two more volumes of my pride themed episodes of in your mouth of foodie coming out stories and more because there's so many good ones to highlight. And I mean, like I said, I don't know how I'm going to pick at all, but it's such a joy to bring this to you and just to relive this moment with you all on the pod um, during this Pride Month because our stories do matter and we don't know who's listening out there. I don't know who's listening out there. I know you're listening, though. And so if you, you, if you may have missed one of these stories, go back. Go back and listen to the episodes. Go back and listen to the terrible editing, because I've gotten real good these days. <laughs> and don't forget to go show all these people the love. And like I said, if you go to www.themunoz.com forward slash mouth merch is where you'll help me um, you know, support the Ali Fournay Center, which helps LGBTQ homeless youth this Pride season. Other than that, stay safe out there. People and their guns are crazy. Stay safe. Protect yourselves. Protect your friends. Eyes open, y'all. Eyes open because I want this Pride season to be happy, healthy, and most importantly, safe for all of us. Okay? Be safe. Be aware of your surroundings. And I hate that I have to take a moment to say this, but like, you know, like just just let's keep each other safe this Pride season. Absolutely. And as always, I love you. Happy Pride. And thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth.